Hey fans, before we get going, just wanted to send out a reminder that you can head to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds, where you can choose to support this podcast, or you can send us voice messages. We certainly appreciate either. So head over to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds. Please show us some love. Now let's get on to the show. is the Go Blue Crew. Hey there, everyone. This is episode 119 of the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick, joined by Derek Devine. As your reminder, every time we get on the show anymore, uh, this isn't weekly as we would normally do because the world of sports has been temporarily shut down. So we're coming back on basically whenever we feel like we got something to talk about. And I guess uh, today is that day we got something to talk about. We're going to get into the uh, quarterback situation at Michigan going into next season. But first, because this is our first show uh, post NFL draft, we got to bring up this fantastic thing. Urban Meyer said about Donovan Peoples Jones, who was drafted by the Browns in the sixth round. Uh, Derek, you introduced this to me. I didn't know this existed. So will you do us the honor, please? Yeah, so uh, Urban Meyer, who obviously always has a lot of things to say, especially as a non-coach, probably soon to be coach, but a, but a football analyst. Uh, he was commenting uh, kind of about Cleveland's picks and specifically mentioned uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was drafted by the Cleveland Browns in the, in the sixth round, I believe, fell a lot further than a lot of people expected, but apparently, according to Urban Meyer, like fell significantly further than that because Urban Meyer says, quote, I still think that guy, as in Donovan Peoples-Jones, should be a top 10 draft pick. I think he's that good. Top not, 10. A top 10 rec- not a top 10 receiver. Nope. A top 10 pick. Yep. Okay. I, and I a have lottery pick of the NFL. They don't even call it that, but but well, literally top 10 best, not even best players, because sometimes it's not the best player. It's the right. best fit. So he was top 10 best players, top 10 best fits of the, the top 10 in the draft. That is probably the biggest dig I think I've ever heard. Right. Explain it, though. Well, uh, let me just, again, read in quote what he says. He says, I coached against him. He's one of the best punt returners. Now, he doesn't even mention anything about a receiver. Just one of the best punt returners. I don't want to get into, did they use him right? As in, did Michigan use Donovan Peoples-Jones right? And then he claims he doesn't know. He clearly knows. He's clearly clearly taking a dig at Michigan, saying that Donovan Peoples-Jones is one of the best receivers I saw in high school. He was one of the best players available in the draft. In fact, he was top 10, and this is a ultimate shot at Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines, even though Urban Meyer is no longer the head coach of Ohio State, basically saying, hey, you guys effed up, and you did not use him correctly. This guy is top 10 talent, and he went to Michigan and sadly got picked in the sixth round. It's a classic maneuver from anybody, you know, just to say, I don't want to get into it and then like briefly introduce your point, but, but maintain that you don't want to get into it. Well, you've already brought it up. We know where you stand. It's just a classic 
classic move there. Urban Meyer continues to take these shots at Michigan and you have to objectively, you know, step back and, and I, I don't want to say appreciate because that's not the right word, but I guess respect the standing he has to do that. And the fact that he seems to be pretty good at it. Just, you know, if you, if you just pay attention to the things urban Meyer says, like in interviews and stuff, he's always asked about Michigan, of course. And, and he's really good at, at, given those some of those backhanded compliments uh talking on and on about you know all the respect he has but then he'll he'll throw something in there and you know it's shade but he has said it in a respectful way so it's it's hard to decipher in the moment he's very good at that yeah i mean even when he was breaking down in some of those five minute clips 10 minute clips of what michigan's offense was doing well he always found a way like you said backhanded compliments short digs and so I mean, he's never going to say anything nice about Michigan, nor should he as a, a dominant coach at Ohio State. But the further and further he gets removed, I'd like to think he does less and less of that. I think once Jim Harbaugh's time is up, he'll probably do even less of that. I'm sure he'll always make you know, the, the comments um, and, and the tweets and stuff just because of the way, especially lately, they've been replaying some of the games like the classic 2016 battle that Michigan should have never lost because of a spot. Um, so yeah, he's going to, he's going to take digs forever because he was an Ohio state coach, but that one like particularly was like, ouch, like that's, I don't know that people, even at Ohio state fans or anybody, Cleveland Brown fans actually believe he thinks that I think they've got to know that that's a dig. So that's actually one of the least subtle ones. I think in terms of like backhanded compliments or digs is like, I think Donald Peoples-Jones is an amazing talent. He was really highly recruited out of high school. He didn't have the numbers or stats you'd expect from a guy like that at Michigan, but you've got to keep in mind for two of the seasons, they barely threw the ball. And then the last season's a guy like Nico Collins and Ronnie Bell, who we'll talk about in a few minutes here, um, kind of came on. So, yeah, he didn't have the career you'd expect a five-star like Donovan Peoples-Jones to have, but I don't think you realistically anyone would have even had him um, really – anywhere before 20 and let alone the first round. I mean, he dropped to the sixth round. I don't know why that is, but yeah, that's probably the biggest dig I've heard in a long time. Okay. So that's what's happening on the NFL front for Michigan. Looking at the current roster though, there's uh, one thing as always above else that people are going to pay attention to. And that's the quarterback battle between Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton. This is obviously a very strange off season because at this point, normally we would have uh, you know, highlights in, in the spring game and, and coaches would be talking about who's making progress where there's absolutely none of that because teams can't even get together. Uh, guys can practice on their own, of course, and, and both have been in, in pretty unique ways. I mean, no, no athlete or, or basically no athlete uh, below the professional level, I think, is, is getting the type of really quality exposure these uh, two players are, and we can talk about that later. But I want to get your first impression, you know, based on the little that we do know. Uh, who who do you think has the upper hand going into a uh, a potential next season? Whenever that happens, whatever it looks like. I think Dylan McCaffrey has the upper hand. He seems like the most well-rounded quarterback. Um, I think in terms of throwing ability Joe Milton definitely has the advantage but what we basically saw McCaffrey do in limited time um, is run the football Um, 
and run the football very effectively. I mean, he's got that McCaffrey speed, obviously, um, younger brother of Christian McCaffrey, who's seems like one of the fastest players in the NFL, especially for his size and, and the muscle he has and the extra weight he carries. But I think that McCaffrey is probably the best fit all around. Um, but, I mean, Joe Milton, things that you've been hearing and some of the videos we've seen on Twitter and the fact that he's now working with Devin Gardner and uh, and Ronnie Bell specifically, uh, a receiver that obviously making a connection with can go a really long way. I think that there's a lot of people that would like to see Joe Milton start. I'm sometimes in that camp myself um, because I do want to see what would happen if a guy like a Joe Milton had a full game, um, what, it, what it would be like. Same with McCaffrey. We haven't seen him start a full game. And so there's a lot of unknowns. But, yeah, in terms of upper hand, I'd say Dylan McCaffrey. And it just seems like he'd be Harbaugh's favorite going into the season just based on the production we've seen from him in comparison to Joe Milton. So Joe Milton last season threw the ball seven times. He had a touchdown, an interception, uh, you know, not really much of anything. McCaffrey threw the ball 20 times, completed half of those, had a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, running the ball, uh, Dylan McCaffrey racked up 67 yards. Now that's less than the 99 he produced in 2018. Um, a lot of it seemed to come on a couple runs against Wisconsin when Michigan was pouring it on late, but there's just not a lot to go on. Like even though uh, Dylan, McC- Dylan McCaffrey clearly has more experience and more to watch, you know, if you just want to go see what they've done in the past, there's still just not a whole lot to go on. And uh, I, this kind of leaves me in the weird predicament of like, you know, wanting to know uh, or, or trying to weigh Joe Milton's insane arm versus the fact that it seems like up to this point, Michigan's coaches have preferred McCaffrey when when they had to move on from Shea Patterson, whether uh, for for an injury or you know because he's not playing well enough. I think those are those are just really tough things to weigh because when you're talking about Joe Milton's arm. Uh, one thing that doesn't account for is accuracy. You know, he can launch the ball a mile, but does it get where he he needs it to go? I I don't think there's enough there to say he's inaccurate, but it's just not enough to say, you know, he's got a really big arm and that's why he's going to start. That's what a lot of people I think are going to say because it's one of the only things you can point to for him. It's just not nearly enough. And so, you know, we're going to go back and forth about this all off season uh, as most people will do, you know, on on the on on Twitter and and Facebook and uh, you know every every form of social media that I'm no longer accustomed to or that has come up and I I totally missed. <laughs> I'm I'm because I'm only on Twitter and Facebook basically and Instagram and I know there's there's stuff I'm missing out on. Maybe they both have TikTok accounts and they're displaying all their skills and I just I'll never be able to see it. <laughs> but it's it's too much that we don't know. And not enough to look back on that makes this just really difficult. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a really interesting point. If you look at the stats, other than McCaffrey throwing the ball more, I think a lot of people would assume he had more than 67 yards. I know, I think it was a couple of seasons ago, he had a really long touchdown run called back because of a holding, which would have, I mean, doubled his, essentially doubled his yardage the year before. But yeah, you don't have a lot to actually compare to. What you're relying on is this this thought of 
kind of let's follow Dylan McCaffrey this whole time. It's, hey, he's a stud. Um, he's quarterback Colorado, one of the higher-ranked quarterbacks. He's obviously the the son of Ed McCaffrey, a, a NFL former NFL player. He's the younger brother of Christian McCaffrey, who burst on the scene at Stanford and is now the, the star of the Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton gone. Um, so you've heard that. He was the scout team champ, I think, his freshman year. Um, so you got a lot of hype of, wow, this guy is really turning heads. Don Brown seems to love him. Um, then he's the the backup quarterback over Joe Milton. He's the first to come in in some situations where either Shea's hurt or not playing well. And so, yeah, you can only really base off of his position on the death chart and the things that we've heard in favor of Dylan McCaffrey, which I guess leads many people to believe he'll be the starter. But, yeah, technically you, you can compare stats, but they're so limited that – I honestly think first and foremost, whoever comes in best with the best, like in the best shape and best conditioned is probably going to have the best shot. Um, there's not going to be a lot of time to work. And that's some of the rules change. There's not going to be a lot of time to work with teams before the first game. If the first game's even on time, if the first game even happens. So this unknown is going to continue. We'd usually know heading out of spring, heading out of April and into May, who the favorite was or who performed the best in some of the open practices. But man, we know nothing. So if you come into fall camp in great shape, uh, you're throwing the ball well, and you've built chemistry with a guy like Ronnie Bell, who's obviously going to be one of the most active receivers, then maybe Joe Milton has a better shot than many people believe. Uh, because at the end of the day, neither of them have had near enough game time for us to truly decide who the better option is. Well, that's a good point about timing, uh, because obviously teams are not getting their normal offseason work in right now. And so the question basically becomes, um, let's say – we're going to have a college football season uh, in 2020. How much time do teams need to get ready? And there's a couple different angles to that. You need time to uh, learn the playbook and, and implement it. You also need time, though, to physically get ready to, to play a demanding sport because you, if you go out there and your body is not ready, you're going to end up with a lot of those uh, you know, soft tissue injuries and, and those are going to linger, and, and that's not going to be good for the athletes, obviously. So you, it's, it's a little bit of a work in progress, basically, from what I can tell. Uh, ESPN did a really nice long piece about this, talked to a bunch of coaches and uh, athletic trainers, and uh, basically the, con the consensus from, from these interviews was these teams need about eight weeks to get ready. So you spend four weeks, uh, you know, and in your meetings and with the, the strength and conditioning and uh, and then on on week four basically you can put the pads and helmets on and you can have your camp going into the season and then that that totally doesn't even account for though when the season actually is if it's on time if it's delayed shortened whatever there's you know obviously so many variables but I I just wonder in this situation there are teams that are going to be hurt. Uh, pretty badly by this, I think, with you know, new coordinators and uh, new quarterbacks transfers, stuff like that. I mean, Michigan has it pretty pretty good here. The fact that they have two quarterbacks who who know the system that there's there's not like a whole lot of new stuff to learn. I'm sure, but I wonder if still one of the benefits from having this shortened time frame, whenever the time comes, to get ready. I and I don't know if you know how to how to answer that question. I just think it's something to think about. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't know what the season's going to look like. The timing's way off compared to what anyone would have even thought of at the end of the the college football, most recent college football season. So you'd hope that, I mean, coaches, players just go in and kind of reset, and there's not, hey, remember when Dylan Caffrey tore it up on scout team? Hey, remember when he was Shays back up and we liked him because of this? Like, you really have to go in with a completely new mindset of we've had a lot of time off. There's probably going to be plenty of players who aren't in great shape. It's going to be an adjustment. It's still a new offense for the most part. It's only one season. There's guys that maybe didn't pay attention as much as they should have last year to the playbook because they were second or third on the depth chart, so they're going to be behind. There's a lot of weird scenarios that every team's going to face, but I think at the end of the day, both of these guys seem to be working. I mean, you you again, you hear the report of um, Milton working with Devin Gardner, and a lot of people – Love Devin Gardner. A lot of people hate Devin Gardner, but he was he was uh, great at times, and I think he still has one of the most historic performances against Ohio State. Um, so yes. I feel like he had some moments, um, and he's he's a great advocate for Michigan. And I mean, there's a lot of guys that go on to be really special trainers uh, and work with future athletes. So who knows what Devin Gardner's career will bring him. But I think even the, the fact that he's working with a guy like Milton and Ronnie Bell is cool because they could be doing nothing. And then obviously you get the ESPN report about how all the McCaffrey's families working together um, back at home and putting in the work. And obviously Christian McCaffrey's probably working at the highest level, being the face of an NFL franchise. And so I'm sure Dylan's just a couple of steps behind him in that process too. So I think these guys are just going to come in ready to compete. And I think that it's going to end up being like the safe option versus the option with possibly more potential at quarterback. And I think Joe Milton's a guy that has more potential. I think because of his arm ability and arm strength, I think he's probably more quarterback and McCaffrey's more athlete. And so I guess it's just where the coaches feel like there are at that point. And if they feel like Milton, who I think for sure will have maybe more growing pains as a starter, have some worse passes and some worse moments, but you have an extra year with him. I mean, you could turn Joe Milton into a really special quarterback. Not saying that Dylan McCaffrey can't be, but I feel like the ceiling for Joe Milton, based on what we've heard, even from what the coaches have said, what he said being interviewed a couple of times last year, it seems like he has more potential. And with this being kind of a weird season, not knowing what could happen, I mean, do you take a chance on a guy that has a higher ceiling and rotate in McCaffrey because he's more of an athlete, or do you go with – someone who could end up being like a Shea Patterson who can be good, but maybe kind of plateaus at some point on what his ability is. And again, we don't know that for even McCaffrey because we haven't seen him enough. So it's even wrong for me to assume that his ceiling couldn't be just as high, but I'm just going off of the few things that I've been reading really since last season. Okay. So we have a, a couple minutes left here and I, I want to get to the two more things. Uh, first, the, one of the big noticeable differences between McCaffrey and Milton is that McCaffrey, like you said, you know, he's the the athlete. He's the more mobile option. Not that Joe Milton is an immobile quarterback. I mean, he's a, he's a tank. He, he, he could get moving and run over some people, but which would you value more in those skill sets? Would you like the, the more prototypical quarterback or would you like the athlete? I think, I think it's tough because of the way the offense has changed, but I think that I would like to see the quarterback 
because I want to I want to see a, a life where someone can bomb the ball 80 yards and hit Nico Collins. I mean, I, I like that. Obviously, the, the the athlete I think is is very important. But when you have so many athletes like Michigan is obtaining on offense, especially the speed and space, and some of these guys like Giles Jackson, like I don't know that you need to have um, like a Lamar Jackson type quarterback. I, I think that when you look at like a Joe Burrow um, or someone that's more of like the Cam Newton structure, like Joe Milton seems to be built, like guys that just have a cannon for an arm and can develop an accuracy and I mean, obviously still run like Joe Milton's going to be harder to bring down than Christian McCaffrey and Christian McCaffrey's at times or not Christian McCaffrey, sorry, Dylan McCaffrey at times, as I say, Christian McCaffrey's not frail at all. He takes a beating, but Dylan McCaffrey has been injured a couple of times, whether it's just knocked out for a couple of games or he had the concussion, he's been banged up and what broke a collarbone the one year. Um, He's, seems to be a little fragile and and Joe Milton is just a a bigger body. So I think that I'd prefer to see a guy like Joe Milton develop um, and give him the shot um, and still, I mean, give a chance to Dylan McCaffrey, but I'd say I'd pick Milton over McCaffrey in terms of what I'd rather see in terms of like for a typical quarterback, but I'm also down for a two quarterback system, especially in a year where, we might get five college football games, or we might get a spring full of college football. So who knows what the heck's going to happen? Might as well okay, have some fun with actually, it. I mean, that was actually going straight into my next point because this was obviously something Michigan tried early last year, and it just really never worked out. But you would be okay if between Joe Milton and Dylan McCaffrey there was some kind of system where they both got in there. Yeah, and I think it's just a much different scenario than last year. You're you're going with a guy who's proven to to be decent and Shea Patterson at times, and a guy who's inexperienced. This year, you'd have two guys that are inexperienced. And I, I think, honestly, with the timing of, of all of this stuff with the coronavirus and the, the lack of being able to meet as a team and practice, you almost have to have a two-quarterback system. And I, I think many schools will be forced to, to try out different guys, especially in, in some of the, the games. Now, yeah, you travel to Washington if, if all um, goes as according to plan. So that's a tough place to maybe go with two quarterbacks. But yeah, I think what ball states on the schedule, you can absolutely run um, series by series against a team like a ball state. Well, I, you say that so confidently right now, but <laughs> who knows what things will look like when Michigan actually plays ball state, you know, that's true. Well, Are they on the schedule? I feel like I'm so like, you might just be making that up, man. It's such a weird time that like, I, I'm convinced that I don't even know who Michigan plays other than Washington. Obviously, they, they play the classic teams in the Big Ten, but it's like I felt like I studied this schedule and like was really into like, oh, 2020 is going to be awesome. And it's like they could play – I don't know who they play. They could play anybody. doesn't matter, though, because when, when you play Michigan, you're, you're signed up for a beating. That's <laughs> one of these years I'll be able to say that. <laughs> the only thing I want to add – before we go talking about how uh, you know it might make sense to go with that two quarterback system at least in certain games with two inexperienced quarterbacks uh, since we were talking about the how mu- how little time teams may have to get ready and, and how that could be bad for individual player safety it might it might be necessary because of that you might need to split reps earlier in the season. Uh, for the simple fact that it's it's not safe yet 
to have one quarterback out there the whole game uh, scrambling, getting hit, making making uh, you know multiple throws downfield. Like it, it might not be the, the the safe thing to do, and and so that may necessitate a, a two quarterback system, and it may necessitate a whole bunch of platoons at at, at different positions. I mean, yeah. who know who knows how it would look, but we'll get into uh, all of that and more. I'm sure going coming down to to summer and looking uh looking ahead to fall and hopefully a an existing college football season so if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at ty underscore fenwick and derek is at divine identity thanks for listening go blue go blue